Preventing pain, fear, and suffering of animals through nationwide education and awareness from all across the globe. This is Animal Radio. And welcome back to America's number one pet talk, Animal Radio. Thanks for making it this way. On Animal Radio today, jobs and careers in the pet world and Animal Precincts and Marie Lucas joining us. Of course, she has a pretty cush gig in the animal world. I guess it could be kind of tough at times. She has to deal with some pretty bad elements. Yeah, she does. She deals with some pretty tough people out there on the streets. But she does have a TV show. <laughs> also, have you ever thought about making your pet a star? Like a movie star? I have a talented cat. Why not? Uh, everyone thinks they have a talented pet. We'll find out if yours even has a chance to be in the movies. Hollywood Paws joining us. They'll tell us the criteria. Also, we're giving away a two-night stay for you, a friend, and your furry friend to Santa Barbara's Fest Parker Doubletree Resort in Santa Barbara, California. God, that's right on the beach, isn't it? Doesn't get any better than that. It doesn't really. Also today, a dog born with a heart-shaped mark on the side. Yes, I'm actually looking at a picture, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to hold this up to the microphone so you can see this. This dog was born... I guess in Japan, with a heart shape on the side of it. It doesn't look photoshopped to me, but we'll find out all the details. Small horses, pygmy goats, and your calls all today. one 405 8405 Hi, who's this? This is Maureen from hey, Reading. From Reading, Pennsylvania? Yes. Listening on WEEU. How are you doing, Maureen? I'm good. How are you? Splendid. Splendid. <laughs> what can we do for you today? I'm calling to request a copy of the book... Um, why don't woodpeckers get headaches? Oh yes, uh, that's Mike O'Connor, and boy, we you know we have a lot of books on the show. This guy is getting quite a response. He's a funny guy, and he's got a great book. And you know what? I believe Judy, you just got a, a shipment of a couple I, more in. I had to ask him for another shipment. They went like hotcakes. Okay, well, so we, we definitely have that for you. Are you a big bird fan? Yes, I'm a big bird fan and also a big dog fan. In fact, I can tell you that you sent me one of your breakfast bowls. Oh, that was from and, Super Zoo last year. Yeah. Yes. yes. And, and my border collie, she used to just wolf that food, food down, and now she's uh, taking her time. Once in a blue moon, she still might stop and, and uh, breed real heavy, but most of the time, I don't even have to worry about watching her anymore when she's eating. Oh, uh, really? So it really does work very well, yes, I guess. Yes, it most certainly does. Yes, it does. I really am happy for it. Thank you very much. For those listeners that don't know what that is, it's, it's like a bowl, and inside the bowl, there's uh, some indentations with plastic they're, 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 it's sort of like a Lego I believe I yeah. described it yeah. as before it reminds you of like little columns like maybe columns of maybe about a, an inch and a quarter wide or an inch and a half wide there's about six or seven of those columns so it's almost like a maze for the dog to get through their food so and it slows have, them down is, is essentially exactly what it does Absolutely. So if you have a fast-eating dog, you might want to check out the Breakfast Bowl. And, of course, that was Super Zoo last year. Now, coming up next week, we're broadcasting live again from Las Vegas, the Mandalay Bay Convention Center, uh, for the new pet product special. We'll have more stuff. Everything that we're going to have on the air next week, we're giving away just like we gave the Breakfast Bowl uh, to Maureen last year. So you got to be listening, Maureen. There's going to be more stuff coming up next yeah. week. Sounds good. I'll be on. I'll be listening for it. Thanks so much. Hold on one second. Okay, thank you. Oh, I love doing this every year. We talk about the great jobs in the animal industry, the pet industry, because there's so much more than just, don't oh, well, the veterinarian. That's the, that's the give me. And then, of course, that's what I wanted to, to be when I was 12 years old <laughs> and ended up doing this uh, somehow. But one of the businesses that's really taking off right now is pet sitting. And, in fact, there's several companies uh, that have gotten together to create franchises. Jamie Deason. Hi, Jamie. 
Yes. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you, Hal? Very well. We're calling you in Silver Spring, Maryland, where you have purchased and are starting a fetch pet sitting franchise. Is that correct? That is absolutely correct. We started in mid-June of this year. What did you do before this? <laughs> I was actually in the field of education for 14 years. Okay. What Teaching? Different. Te- yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, somewhat. I mean, kids and pets, a lot of people think of their pets <laughs> as their kids. So <laughs> I guess so. So you decided to just make it a life change? A little bit. I mean, we, my husband and I am recently married, and um, we were both in the field of education. We were kind of working opposite schedules almost, so we never really got to see each other. Um, so I wanted to look for something that I could do from home. Um, also, you know, still dealing with people because obviously, you know, pets all have owners. You know, it was very interesting to me to start my own business. And I also had such a uh, problem finding good, reliable pet care for my own pet. Does it pay well? Does it pay the rent? Are you getting a clientele? I guess that's the biggest question we hear on the phones. Right, right. Um, you know, I I think that it depends on kind of where you're located. You know, I mean, I'm obviously in a suburb of Washington, D.C., so um, there's a lot of people out here who have pets. There's a lot of people who travel into the city to work, and so they're working long hours, and they need somebody to watch their pets, to walk their dogs, you know, they, they're traveling a lot, things like that. So, I, you know, I've been very happy with um, where I am right now, uh, being, you know, only in just over my third month, and people are amazed at how many clients I have and how many sitters I have and things like that. Fetch is the uh, name of the franchise. It was started in 2002 by a gentleman named Paul Mann. Um, for kind of the same reasons that I started mine, he had a problem kind of finding good, reliable care for his pets. So he started his own business. Um, and then in 2004, he started offering it up as a franchise. Now, why would you pick it up as a franchise instead of doing this on your own? What are the advantages of a franchise? Oh, <laughs> there's a lot of them. Um, again, you know, my background isn't business. My background is education and, and dealing with people kind of. So I really, you know, I was very interested in doing this, but I knew I would need some support and some help. And that's, you know, everything that Fetch has offered me. Through the trainings they have, we have, like, weekly roundtable discussions that are offered to franchisees on different types of things that would would be helpful to us in learning more about our field or in expanding our marketing. You know, they just, they handle a bunch of different things like that for us, and they're always bringing us um, more education about this field. Do you have to become certified in any areas to become a pet sitter? Uh, you do not have to become certified. No, I, a lot of um, sitters choose to do like American Red Cross, you know, pet dog or cat, pet first aid or CPR, things like that, which is great. You know, I'm definitely um, starting to do that with my sitters as well. But as far as any certification, no. Mm-hmm. Um, Fetch is a member of Pet Sitters International, which um, obviously you all have heard of. Yes. Which is a, it's a great um, organization, and and so that's that's something that you know we definitely are members of. The pet care and pet sitting industry made four point seven three billion in two thousand five. It's a growing business. If somebody wants to get into it, obviously the great things about your job is you probably have fairly flexible hours. What other perks are associated with pet sitting? First of all, you know. Anybody who's going to get into this field, you have to love pets to do this Mm -hmm. because they're obviously, you know, your bread and butter type of thing. 
Um, so that's definitely a part, getting to meet all different kinds of animals and different pets and things like that. By the way, if you're listening to this radio show now and you don't love pets, uh, I believe Don Imus is the next <laughs> station right on over. You can just flip on over there. So, yeah, that's obviously one of the major perks. Um, you know, that for me, the other perk was definitely getting to work from home. As far as, you know, other pet sitters, you do get some flexibility. Um you know, our sitters, you know, they come to us and they let us know what hours they are wanting to work. And with Fetch, we're a little bit different than other pet sitting companies. We offer um, all different types of care. We don't just do dog walks. What kind of pets do you sit for? Have you had some strange requests or is it mainly cats and dogs? Um, I would I would say it's obviously the majority is cats and dogs. We definitely... Um, Right now we're sitting for a gecko. Um, <laughs> we have done hamsters, rats, mice, uh, gerbils, you know, all that type of stuff. I know some of the other franchisees out there have done horses, goats. I even heard of one who did a potbelly pig. <laughs> I, I guess you're going to get dirty. You most definitely are going to get dirty, um, especially in, uh, depending on where you're located. Of course, the dirt is going to be different. Um, I'm located here in Maryland, so, you know, it gets it gets very sweltering here during the summertime. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I definitely take two showers a day during the summertime. You know, one when I get up in the morning to wake up, and then the second one after I've kind of finished for the day um, from either, you know, the dog drool or the, <laughs> the sweat from walking. Because, you know, everybody wants their dogs walked in the middle of the day, the hottest part of the day. So if you're a clean freak, this is not the gig for you. This would not be the gig for you. Okay, and I guess that there's a lot of exercise that goes along with it. you got to be able to keep up with the dogs. Absolutely. And some of the dogs are easier to keep up with than others. You know, we have, we do everything from really young dogs, puppies, to um, the oldest dog that we walk is actually 17 years old. Mm, okay. Since we're walking, do we need transportation? You absolutely need transportation. Um, you know, for, for a pet sitter, you have to be able to get to all the different locations, and sometimes you won't have that much time in between your you know, first walk of the day to your second, etc. So you have to be able to get to and fro. And so I would not... want my pet sitter to have transportation sure. for emergency. Yeah, if you need to go to the vet. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So perhaps an SUV or a big minivan or something that you can put a few animals in would be good. Yeah, I mean, obviously, if, you, if you're a pet sitter who's mostly focused on pet sitting cats, you don't necessarily need an SUV. But it's, if you're going to be carting the dogs around, you know, with the pet taxi service that we offer or something like that, yeah. Uh, the hours must change. I mean, they can't be consistent. I mean, it's not like 9 to 5 every day, is it? Right. No, it's definitely not 9 to 5 every day. Um, you know, I, I've definitely um, had to work on some weekends when I was hoping to kind of get out of town. Um, <laughs> I, you know, my husband, um, does, he no longer allows, well, he, he's never allowed it, but he's very upset if I bring the phone to dinner. Um, sure. But I do, you know, as a as the owner of the business, I am trying to be available 24-7, both to my clients and especially to my sitters in case anything were to go wrong. Well, I think the thing to understand here is that your business is going to come when other people go on vacation. Mm-hmm. So don't plan on taking a vacation when everybody else takes one. Yeah, we're looking at probably like January or February. <laughs> yeah. Okay. A final question. Uh, by the way, if you just tuned in, we're talking to Jamie Decent. She started a pet sitting business through the Fetch franchise, and I'll give you a little information about that in just one second here. How much do you ask per hour for a pet? How much does, should someone ask? And does, does that vary? Um, you know, I really think that, that that's such a hard question to answer because it varies on so many things. Obviously, it varies, you know, kind of where you are and what the cost of living is, where you're located. Um, and, uh, you know, I think most importantly, it, it's 
depends on what type of service you're giving to a person. Um, you know, with, with my franchise and with all the Fetch franchise, we really try to do our best to, to meet every client's needs. Um, we offer a wide array of, dis, uh, of discounts and, and different things um, to, to help people out, you know, and we just really try our best to, to help any pet owner out who, who needs our assistance. It sounds like you're doing a good job and, and a fun career, too, huh? Yes, yes, it is very much a fun career. Jamie, thank you so much for joining us today. I want to encourage listeners that want to get into this business, you can actually call the Fetch Franchise headquarters. Uh, they're headquartered in Berkeley, California. The toll-free number is one 338 2463 and that spells Fetch Me. One eight six six fetch me, Jamie Deason. Thank you so much for joining us today. No problem. Thank you so much, Hal. Hi, this is Jamie Farr, and you're listening to the Animal Radio Network. And remember to spay and neuter your pets. Hey, you know anyone who has owned a pet can tell you nothing is more frustrating than their pet soiling in the house. Often they do this in one spot over and over and over again. There's a reason why your pets do this. Pets are attracted to their own unique body scent, which is known as their pheromone. And that pheromone is always left behind in every soiling. Therefore, it's natural for your pet to follow his keen sense of smell and go back to it. So the question is, how do we get the pheromone out so our pets stop resoiling in the house. Well, the good news is there's finally an answer. It's Get Serious Stain, Odor, and Pheromone Extractor. Get Serious is the only stain and odor remover with the ability to remove your pet's pheromone while also getting out the urine odor and any stain. Stop blaming your pets for resoiling when you used a cleaner that didn't get the pheromone out. And don't spend another minute cleaning up unnecessary repeat accidents. Pick up Get Serious today at PetSmart or visit PetSmart.com. Hi, I'm Jay Moore, and as a sports fan, I can tell you there's nothing quite better than spending a day in the park playing catch with a beautiful lady. Like Shirley, my dog. Listen, adopt a pet. They are the most loyal companions you will ever have. Visit Pets911.com or call 1-888-PETS-911. Hooray! For more information, go to Pets911.com. Proud to be a partner of Animal Radio. Preventing pain, fear, and suffering of animals through nationwide education and awareness. From all across the globe, this is Animal Radio. And from Animal Planet to Animal Precinct, and our friend from the ASPCA, Anne-Marie Lucas. Hi, Anne-Marie. How are you doing? I'm good, Hal. How are you? Oh, boy. It's been so long since we've yacked with you. <laughs> I know. Hi, Judy. Hi, Anne-Marie. <laughs> it's so nice to hear about you, from you guys. Well, you know, we're doing a, a show today on careers in the animal industry, animal world. And yours is uh, definitely one that many young kids and even adults might aspire to be because you've sort of combined, not sort of, you have combined uh, your love for animals and dealing with animals with law enforcement as well as uh, a little bit of television, too. Absolutely. If, and if you like both of those types of careers, this is the perfect job for you. you. You've melded them together perfectly. Now, of course, you didn't plan the television career, did you? No. Actually, well, when I was a little girl... Sure. And I, Throughout college, I actually studied to be um, an actress, but more stage work, dancing, singing. Um, and then I sort of gave that up and just went into the animal field. I started uh, volunteering at an animal shelter where I lived, and that's where I caught the bug, and I wanted to do more to help animals. Um, and then I learned about the ASPCA uh, career in law enforcement, 
And and that's when it all happened for me. Uh, twelve years ago now. I've been on the job for twelve years. Wow! I can't believe it's been that long, long. time. Yeah. I know it flew by. I guess this means that you have to go through the training to be a policeman first, or how does that work? Either way, like in our department, and we have about twenty officers currently right now. Either we have retired law enforcement, meaning NYPD retirement or retired from another law enforcement job or military, or we have people who are in the animal field, uh, vet techs, uh, people who worked extensively in animal shelters. We like the mix of the two. So if you have either of those things, um, then we really want to, we want to hear from you. You uh, live in a city and you work in a city that can be pretty rough at times. What kind of things do you see day to day? And is this for the, the weak stomached type of yeah, person? No. No, I mean, we are, for the most part, by ourselves in New York City with a patrol car and your uniform. Um, we do carry weapons, um, so that's helpful um, out there because it is it is a city. It's a huge city, and we are in the high-crime areas most of the time. That's where most of our complaints come in. So you have to be on guard at all times, and you really are a cop, but your special function is to help animals. So it's really neat but very scary at the same time. So you have to be trained. You have to be prepared. Your eyes have to be open at all times. Um, you can't be emotional, uh, which a lot of us are, and that took a little while to to uh, work out of that. That's the kind of thing animal lovers are emotional. <laughs> yes. as, as Yeah, well, I know. So <laughs> it's not easy. Them, no. Yeah, and that's the difficult part because you want to, you know, you want to shake everybody and yell at everybody, and or you want to cry one minute, but that really doesn't get the job done. Your focus is to get in there and rescue the animal and bring their abuser to justice, and mm. that's. The hardest part for me was was getting my emotions in check. But now, you know, I cry later on the way home or, you know, I break down on the weekend or, or whatever if I've had a rough week. You sound like a superhero when you, well, when you, you know, talk about it. it it's funny because, I, I, you know, you think you're Wonder Woman sometimes. You put the <laughs> uniform on and all of a sudden I loved Linda Carter, you know, back when <laughs> she was Wonder Woman. And you feel like that sometimes because you're really, you know, when you put that uniform on, you become a completely different person. It's not me in real life. It's sort of you take on a persona of this person going out because you have to you can't really be yourself you can't show emotion you know you have to be somebody else in order to do the job so it's not as easy as it looks on tv are you finding that you're receiving more respect as time goes on from people or is absolutely it- especially amongst the animal i mean the animal community and the law enforcement community um police officers now seek us out say, hey, you know, I have this situation, can you help us out? We walk into a precinct with an arrest, and they're more than helpful. They, you know, they, they really love the idea that we're out there doing this very difficult job. And um, we actually train a lot of police officers on how to do the job better, because it really is a police department issue. Police departments should be investigating and taking animal cruelty complaints seriously. Well, many years ago, they used to just uh, put them aside, sort mm-hmm. of ignore them, because they weren't trained in that area. Right, and I think it's a lot like domestic violence and that sort of thing. It wasn't until something horrific happened um, and someone was held responsible that the laws changed and police officers then had to take action and they had to actually, you know, arrest somebody for abuse. It's the same sort of thing. We're, we're getting to the point where police officers should know at this point that if they come across animal cruelty, they have to act, they have to respond, they have to take it seriously and make an arrest if necessary. We're with Anne Maria Lucas, Animal Precincts. Anne Maria Lucas, I got to imagine that some days you just want to throw your hands up in the air. But over twelve years, you've been doing this. Twelve years, have you seen a change in the way people are treating their animals? Is there uh, more respect uh, coming well, to the forefront? 
I would love to say yes, but I think that it's a crime, and it's always going to be a crime that's committed. Unfortunately, there will always be abuse. Um, but I think what we're doing is reaching the children, um, educating the children, and hopefully our next generation will be kinder and more humane to animals. And I think that's what we have to hope for. I mean, that's really kind of negative to say, but um, you know what? The same crimes are happening when I started 12 years ago that are happening today. In the same uh, I- to the same amount? Have they decreased? You know what? I don't, yeah, I don't have figures on that, but I'll tell you, we are very, very busy. What has happened, I think, um, is that more people know who to call. And they know that they can call somebody, and they know what a crime is now. Seeing Animal Precinct, people realize that you can't starve your animal. You know, you have to provide them with shelter. You have to provide them with medical attention. So those are the positive things that are happening. People are reporting it. People are getting involved in their animal shelters and volunteering and, and fostering animals. And, and that's a wonderful thing. And, and children are learning that it's not okay to hurt animals. Anne-Marie Lucas, if you, if you what, what advice would you give to someone who wants to pursue a career in humane? law enforcement or as an animal control officer, uh, maybe even starting in their own town, what yep. what should they do? Volunteer at your local animal shelter. Make sure that you get animal experience, and it's something that you really want to do. You have to get down and dirty in this job. It's not a pretty job. You're Sometimes you're covered in fleas and ticks and, you know, dirt, and, you know, it can be really, really messy. Make sure that you can handle animals and you're comfortable with that. Uh, take some law enforcement classes if you're going to college, uh, major in criminal justice with some um, uh, animal uh, classes on the side if you want to. I mean, there's so many different ways to go about it, but I think it's mainly realizing that this is what you want to do and dedicate yourselves to helping animals. And someday you'll be uh, on TV, maybe? uh, (laughs) Absolutely. Well, you never know. You never know. (laughs) See, Animal Precinct's uh, been on for... Jeez, We're in our sixth year. Sixth year. Sixth years. Yeah. Okay. Well, good good job you're doing, of course. You're always welcome here on Animal Radio. We appreciate everything that you do for the animals. It's always great to talk to you guys. You're awesome. Hold on one second. Anne-Marie Lucas from the ASPCA and, of course, Animal Precinct joining us on Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. You can learn more about today's guest at AnimalRadio.com. Log on. Learn more. Dogs or cats. Horse or emu, animals are people too. A cat in Rhode Island seems to be able to predict when people are about to die. Two-year-old Oscar was adopted as a kitten and grew up on the dementia floor of the Steerhouse Nursing and Rehabilitation Center. Soon health workers began noticing that Oscar would enter a patient's room and curl up next to them during their final two hours, somehow sensing when a patient was about to die. Oscar's predictions are so accurate that nurses are able to alert family members so they can come say their final goodbyes. No one is exactly sure how Oscar does it, but many family members appreciate the companionship Oscar provides for their dying loved ones. Oscar recently received the wall plaque commending his compassionate hospice care. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people too. Minute is brought to you by Urinoff, the number one vet recommended urine odor and stain remover. To purchase, visit www.urinoff.com. Urinoff, finally, something that works. 
There's lots of reasons to need a urine odor and stain remover. Your dog's afraid of thunderstorms. Cat hates being alone. You've moved into a new house. But there's only one reason to buy Urinoff, because it actually works. Urinoff's high-performance formula gets to the source of the problem and removes it permanently, even cat urine. Many odor removers claim to work, but thousands of loyal Urinoff customers, even vets, swear by it. If urine odor is a problem in your home, reach for Urinoff, the odor remover that actually works. Available exclusively at www.urinoff.com or your local vet. Preventing pain, fear, and suffering of animals through nationwide education and awareness from all across the globe. This is Animal Radio. Well, Judy, within one hour, mm-hmm. a very lucky listener will be on their way to Santa Barbara, California with their furry friend in tow to the Fest Parker Doubletree Resort for two nights. Uh, that's all right here on Animal Radio. Details on the way. First, let's go to the phones. I need to clear some lines anyway. one 405 8405 Those numbers active all week long. Hi, who's this? Jan. How are you doing, Jan? Hanging in there, babe. Hanging in there. Hanging in there. Where are you calling from? South Lake Tahoe. Listening on KOWL, huh? You bet your booties. Hi, Jan. Hello. Nice to hear your voices. You too. Thank you. So how are you doing today? What's on your mind? Well, Miss Pie Lafitte. She's a little, she's about a year old, lopso-opso. Uh-huh. And I have, oh, half a dozen or a dozen, more like a dozen, uh, half whiskey barrels full of soil. And I put plants in them, but Miss Pie goes out and jumps into the whiskey barrels, comes in all mud. Oh, no. And she's eating some of the dirt. And I never had a dog eat dirt before, but I've never had a dog like her before either. <laughs> How much dirt is she, is she eating? Uh, just, I don't know. She just noses around in it, and, and I see her eating and uh, like I say she comes in her feet all muddy and I just had all the carpets cleaned (laughs) is she eating her regular food too oh yes okay and is she just starting to eat dirt yes yeah this is the first time you've seen her do it huh yeah Uh uh-huh and has anything changed in her food diet no And, and can you tell me about how much you, how much dirt you think she's eating? Oh, I don't know. Maybe she just smells something in the dirt that smells good to her. And so she... Yeah. Well, it's it's uh, it's actually been known to happen. It's called pica. Pica is that it? It's or... pica when they they eat rocks and dirt and sometimes feces. Yeah, sometimes even feces. Well, she doesn't do that, and no rocks. Well, it's, it's just, there's no rocks in the, the barrels. Yeah, it's dirt. It's really unknown why they do that. Sometimes they think it's out of boredom. Or... Well, this is sack dirt, I get. What, what kind of dirt? Sack dirt? What is sack dirt? Well, I, I have them bring me usually half a dozen big sacks of dirt. Yeah. Is it's it... all sealed off. You know, it's pure, more, it's better dirt. For plants. So there's probably a little bit of fertilizer in it. It's probably, I don't know what they've got in it. Yeah, that probably has a lot to do with it. As long as she's not eating a lot of it. uh, 
you shouldn't be too concerned uh, as as it does happen fairly it is fairly common it right? is fairly common there's really no known reason why dogs do this if she is ingesting a lot of the soil or no, we rocks not. okay if it's if it's a small amount it's really no concern okay uh, like i said a lot of dogs do this but if you feel she's getting a little too much you might want to take her to the vet and have him check her over and make sure she's okay. Now, as far as for dragging the dirt in the house, that's uh, that's a whole whole different thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, you know what? We're going to send you a, a special package for just calling in for what was her name again? Miss Pie. Miss Pie. And P I with a straight line over the I. Yeah, I, I'm afraid and to ask how 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 she got her name. Miss Pie Lafitte. Yeah, Miss Pie Lafitte. We're going to send her a little package for listening to Animal Radio, okay? And she got her name because I'm a nutty gal. Yeah, you, you sound like a nutty gal, and that's how we prefer them. Yes. Well, hold on a second. If I couldn't laugh, honey, I'm, you might as well dig me a hole. Yeah, so, well, you know, that's that's how you get through life. You need to, you need to be able to laugh. Hold on a second, Jan, okay? Okay, Cookie. Hi, this is Richard Karn from Home Improvement, and you're listening to Animal Radio. Now remember to spray and neuter your dog. <laughs> it's a good idea to spray and neuter your animals. Did you see the paper? They mentioned cloning animals for food. Seriously? I thought cloning was still pretty experimental. It is. Most of the animals die or are born with some sort of health defect. So why is the FDA going to approve it? I don't know. It's upsetting that the FDA seems to be ignoring scientific evidence that animals in cloning suffer. And the FDA says that it won't even label cloned foods. That's outrageous. Yeah, and we could be eating meat or drinking milk from cloned animals and not even know it. Is there anything we can do to stop this? You can. Contact the American Anti-Vivisection Society at www.endanimalcloning.org to learn more about the problems with animal cloning and to help keep cloned food off grocery store shelves. Cloning animals for food is not just about food safety. Animal suffering and other ethical issues have been ignored for too long and must be considered. To learn more, visit www.endanimalcloning.org. Just because we can clone animals for food doesn't mean we should. Buddy, don't do that. Don't worry. Lots of dogs eat grass. Didn't you hear? Dogs can get worm infections from eggs and larvae in the grass. Those parasites can even infect humans. I know. That's why I give my dog Safeguard K9 Dewormer twice a year. It's a safe and easy way to eliminate and prevent the major intestinal worms that infect dogs and to protect my family against infection. Where can I find out more? Just visit www.safeguard.com. That's S-A-F-E hyphen G-U-A-R-D dot com. Preventing pain, fear, and suffering of animals through nationwide education and awareness. From all across the globe, this is Animal Radio. You may have wondered where they get those dogs and cats and other animals you see in, uh, well, TV and the movies. Mm -hmm. There are are actually places that you can go that they train your animals for a career in film. Wow. So if, you, if well, let's say you didn't have that kid that uh, you wanted to uh, turn into an actor and then support you for the rest of your life, uh, maybe your animal will. I don't know. I understand it doesn't pay that well. We'll find out. I could be wrong. I don't know. I know nothing about it. We have on the phone with us professional dog and cat trainer from Hollywood Paws, Joel Norton. Hi, Joel. How are you doing? Good. How are you guys? Very good. Thank you. Does it pay well? 
Uh, no, not, actually not really. When you're just talking about the dog rental fee, it's it's not very good. It's only about $300 per day for a dog. So a dog would have to work all the time for it to be uh, worth anything, huh? Right. I don't make $300 a day. I think that's pretty good. I don't make $300 a month. That's that's excellent. <laughs> These studios, they're looking for dogs that are trained and cats that are trained already, and I, I assume that's what Hollywood Paws does. Yes, that's right. We do. We help uh, private you know, pet owners to, uh, train their dogs the behaviors that they need to know for movies and television. And what kind of behaviors would these be? Just whatever the, the director or producer wants? No, well, what we train is we train pretty much everything that they we think they would ever need to know on set. Most of the just the basics. Um, a lot of a lot of the behaviors that are required on set are things that most pet owners don't even think about when they're training a dog. Most people, when they get a new dog, they want to first of all housebreak it, and then they want to train it to sit, and to come, and to stay, and those uh-huh. things like that. And those are part of the uh, things that you need to know to go on set. But there's also um, a lot of other things that uh, people don't realize. Things like marks. Whenever you see a dog that's uh, in a commercial or to be a walk somewhere and then just stops. Uh-huh. It's not just stopping there. There's a thing on a ground called a mark that someone sent the dog to that it sees and recognizes and knows to stop there and then to wait for the next command. So that's how they get dogs to walk somewhere and sit and lay down and do all these things. You don't see it, but there's something on the ground that's telling the dog to do that. Oh, and so you're training the dog to look for marks. Yeah, that's one thing. Um, another thing we train is um, distance work. A lot of people uh, don't realize how far away you have to be from your animal when you um, uh, start uh, going out on set. You know, the camera's, you know, wherever in the corner, and then, you know, the dog has to be 10 feet away, and, well, you can't be in the shot, so you need to be at least 15 to 20 feet away from your animal. And it needs to be able to listen to you and, and listen to what you're saying and not want to come, you know, stand next to you. And you know, no pet owners, you know, set their dog down and then go outside to the front yard while their dog is still in the house and start asking them to do things. You know, that's, that no one no one does that. Everyone stands, you know, within five feet and starts asking, you know, behaviors or tricks. So, But there's another aspect of your business. You can actually take a person and train them to become a dog trainer. Yeah, that's right. Um, we've always focused on uh, helping people training our um, our students to to be able to to train the animals too to not just you know take their dog from them and mm-hmm. and and give them back a trained dog and have them have no idea what they're doing uh, you know these people are obviously spending much more time with their pet than we are they can only spend so much time here with us so uh, we found out it was best to, to train them how to train to show them here you know here's what you do here's how how the timing works here's what you need to give the dog when it does it right here's how to correct him when he does it wrong you know and uh, so they can work on it as much as they can when they get home. Um, so from that, we sort of uh, spun out this thing that we are now going to uh, train people to train their animals. We had already been focused on that quite a bit, and now we're just really going to do it. We're really going to focus on, you know, here's how you can train your dog the same way we do. These people can go on to become Hollywood dog trainers? It, 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 they certainly can. There's nothing that's going to stop them. The, the Hollywood... Uh, animal trainer um, for movie television is, is a kind of a small field and it's, it's um, somewhat difficult to break into just because there's not very many of us who, who go out on set and actually train animals. There's only a few companies that do it and those few companies only have a handful of employees. So uh, it can be difficult to break into. Not to say that it can't happen but um, it, it is pretty difficult. But, you know, there's a, certainly a lot of other fields out there that, um, you know, dog training is extremely useful to be a part of. You know, if you want to own your own business, if you want to go out in a park and, and and, you know, make some extra money on the side on the weekends and help people train. Everybody thinks their pet is, uh, well, just a great actor or does great <laughs> tricks and should yes. be. 
But obviously, this is not a career for every pet. What are some of the criteria points that you want to judge on your own, whether or not your pet would be good for this business? You're absolutely right. Everyone does think, everyone thinks their dog is the absolute best. It's amazing. I've, everyone has the cutest dog. I'm not sure if you knew that. Of course. Um, <laughs> Uh, but certain things we look for uh, when we're really, really looking at um, a good studio dog is uh, a dog that's really food motivated is a good one. Um, a lot of dogs, you know, they're just, especially some of the smaller breeds, the toy breeds and stuff, they're, their food motivation isn't very high. In other words, they don't really work for food that well. And some of the behaviors that we try to train, you know, crawl and back up and all this kind of stuff, it's kind of difficult. And if you have to find a, a good motivation for the dog to do it and to listen to you, food is usually the best way. <laughs> so if you've got this little dog that really doesn't care about treats or doesn't want to eat, then it's going to be pretty hard to get it to do what you want it to do. Um, so that's one of the big things is got a, a good dog and a good food-motivated animal that you can really get to do what you want it to do. Uh-huh. Um, some other things that is um, a lot of people, mixed breeds are, are kind of big now, and that's that's actually what we look for quite a bit. Really? Um, yeah, believe it or not. Um, uh, dogs, uh, purebred dogs and um, dogs that have been seen in other things often get typecast. Um, you know, a, a, a collie, you know, everyone looks at a collie and thinks it's Lassie. And, uh-huh. you know, if someone's selling a product on TV or something, you know, they want you to be thinking about their product. They don't want you to see a dog and go, oh, look, that's the Lassie dog. So all of a sudden now you've stopped thinking about, you know, Diet Pepsi or whatever, and you're looking at that dog. And that's right. not, not what any advertiser wants. They want you to focus on that. So if you've seen a lot of commercials, there are all these little, you know, wiry-haired, mixed-breed things that, you know, you don't know what it is. Um, and that's actually on purpose, you know, so that you don't associate, you know, any feeling or anything else. It's just a dog, you know, any dog USA is kind of uh-huh. what what that's for. And that's so I know a lot of people getting, you know, mixed breeds from the shelters and stuff like that. That's really popular right now. And, and that's actually really good. You know, we like we like seeing mixed breed dogs that, you know, they oftentimes, not to say that purebreds don't work, but mixed breeds do get a little bit more. Wow, I didn't know that. Well, if you think your pet is up for perhaps being on Pet Star or Jay Leno or David Letterman or a movie or in a commercial, let me give you a web address in just a second. I want you to get a pencil. I have a phone number here. It's also toll free one eight 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 seven eight one seven eight two seven. This is where you can find out more about Hollywood Paws Pet Training Workshops, 1-888-781-7827, or head on over to the website, hollywoodpaws.com. Awesome website you got there. Thank you. Thank you. Joel Norton joining us. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Hi, it's Lisa Laporta from HGTV's Design to Sell for Animal Radio. Please stay and neuter your pet. This is an Animal Radio News Update, made possible by the Simple Solution Natural line of 100% biodegradable pet care products. Japan, smitten by puppy love. I'm Hal Abrams. A Chihuahua puppy has become Japan's latest heartthrob after he was born with a heart-shaped mark on his coat. The dog, named Hartkin, was born May 18th at a pet store in northern Odare. Shop owner, Amiko Sakurada, believes his unusual markings have brought her luck. It may sound strange, but since I saw him, my luck has been picking up. I won the lottery and won a concert ticket. That must have been thanks to the power of Hartkin. The dog became a celebrity after local television stations aired pictures of him. Since then, Sakurada has been flooded with calls from people wanting to buy him, which she has turned down. Japan is a dog-loving nation. Earlier this year, an old dog's home and a gym dedicated to exercising canines opened for business. 
If you want to see a picture of Hartkin, head on over to AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update, brought to you by the Simple Solution Natural line of 100% biodegradable pet care products. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. Earth-conscious consumers have an eco-friendly choice in pet care. The Simple Solution Natural line of 100% all-natural pet products, 100% biodegradable training pads, biodegradable even by California standards. They'll biodegrade faster than an orange peel. Also, Simple Solution Natural Pet Stain and Odor Remover, a great alternative to harsh chemicals found in traditional household cleaners. Simple Solution Natural, based on a way of life. Find Simple Solution at Petco, PetSmart, or your local pet retailer. Preventing pain, fear, and suffering of animals through nationwide education and awareness from all across the globe. This is Animal Radio. Now, coming up, Susan Sims joins us from Fido Friendly Magazine for Fido Friendly Travel Talk. She'll have a... Can I, can I say where you're going to be talking about? Because I know we're giving away a weekend. I think you should tell everybody what we're talking about. Okay. Two nights for you and your furry friend in Santa Barbara at the Fest Parker, and you'll be telling us all about it. You got it. <laughs> High-tech lost and found. Microchip IDs for pets may not yet be the answer. Hi, everybody. I'm Dr. Jim Humphreys for Animal Radio. Without a doubt, microchips provide the most reliable and most secure method of identifying your pet. But with the never-ending controversy over different types of microchips, can you really rely on this high-tech ID tag? Many pet owners assume that the use of a microchip in their pets will keep their pets safe and bring them home automatically. But what really happens when your pet runs away? Are pet owners aware that this safe, secure, and foolproof ID, pet ID method can fail? Essentially, microchips are little computer chips about the size of a grain of rice. Easily implanted under your pet's skin with a hypodermic needle, microchips provide permanent identification that won't wear out or fade or get lost if the pet runs away. Special scanners find the microchip, translate that into a specific ID code, and then these unique numbers can be found in a database. And with luck, the owner can be contacted and the family will be reunited again. But in the United States, currently, these microchips are using four different frequencies. And over the last 17 years, the predominant frequency has been 125 kilohertz. Some pets might have a different chip in them, one that emits 134.2 kilohertz, otherwise known as an ISO chip. If a local shelter does not have the right scanner, they can actually miss that chip. That's the problem. This confusion of frequencies has caused a storm of controversy. According to Dr. Dan Knox of the Avid Company, these multiple frequencies will continue to put pets at risk by confusing the system. He says adding new frequencies will only cause more work for understaffed shelter employees and potentially be dangerous to pets. Dr. Knox's concern was validated in 2004 when a young dog was euthanized after a Virginia shelter failed to find that dog was, in fact, microchipped. The dog had been implanted with that ISO chip I told you about, and the shelter could not read it. With the exception of the United States, the rest of the world has been using this ISO chip for identification. Recently, two major veterinary pharmaceutical companies have teamed up with microchip manufacturers to create a strong support system for the ISO chip. 
They're handing out more than 60,000 new scanners that are capable of reading all four frequencies that are now in use in the United States. Julie Lux of Home Again Pet Recovery System says our first focus is to protect the pet. But the mixed-up frequencies are not the only real problem in this new high-tech system. The second major issue is many pets are not properly registered. In fact, Michael Gendro, the product manager for this ResQ ISO chip, states that less than half of all microchipped pets have been entered accurately into any database. Well, that's a major fault with this system. Even if they're registered, information can quickly become outdated if the owner fails to change it or update it themselves. All of the microchip manufacturers agree that veterinarians and shelters must be strongly proactive in finding ways of getting the information into a nationally accessible database. Unfortunately, it appears that many of the registration websites are complicated, often offering multiple services. According to Ralph Johnson, the executive director of the Colorado Veterinary Medical Association, Pet recovery databases should be used solely for the purpose of bringing pets home and not for medical records, access, or even marketing purposes, as is now the case. These problems are obviously overwhelming, and veterinarians are a little concerned. This wonderful technology is simply not ready for prime time, frankly. Old-fashioned methods such as an ID collar and a tag should be used along with the microchip until these issues can be resolved, hopefully sooner rather than later. For the Veterinary News Network at myvnn.com, I'm Dr. Jim Humphreys reporting for Animal Radio. And that's all we have for this hour. Remember, there's lots more streaming online 24-7 at animalradio.com. And, of course, we want to thank our friend Anne-Marie Lucas from the ASPCA and Animal Planets, Animal Precinct, for joining us. Uh, you can hear us on your cell phone. Text ANIMAL to 27627. Listen to Animal Radio anytime you want. And remember, if you get a pet, please spay or neuter. And if it happens to be a cat, don't declaw. And always adopt from your local shelter. I'm Hal Abrams. I'm Judy Francis. We'll see you next week for more Animal Radio right here on this fine station. Have a great week. Bye-bye. This is Animal Radio Network. Preventing pain, fear, and suffering of animals through nationwide education and awareness from all across the globe. This is Animal Radio. And coming up this hour, a lucky Animal Radio listener is going to pick up two days at the Doubletree Fest Parker Resort in lovely Santa Barbara, California. Right on the beach. How lucky is that? Time to travel again. Oftentimes we travel with our pets, and I just got this vehicle maker's pet travel quiz in the mail. They, they send us all their junk mails, what they do. It has five questions on it. It's made by the Chrysler Jeep and Dodge Service Specialists. Oh, I'm sorry about that. And uh, it has five questions. I'm going to ask you and see if oh, you pass. no. I didn't prepare. Well, you didn't pre- cram for this test here. Yeah. Okay. Where do you think the safest place for your pet to sit in your car is? A, on the driver's lap. B, in the front passenger seat beside the driver. C, in the rear seat. Or D, in the back, if it's a pickup truck, of course. Okay, well, I know it's not. you're not supposed to let your dog ride in the back of a truck. In fact, I had a friend whose dogs did, and one fell out and broke its leg, so that was a no. And I, I don't 
it's safe for kids to ride in the back, so that's what I'm going to say. In the rear in seat. In the rear seat, yeah. In the rear yeah, seat yeah. is absolutely right. And, of Woo-hoo! course, if you do have a pickup truck, there are tethers that are made specifically for your dog. So that they can't jump or so fall out. So they can't out. jump or fall out. And it's very important that you take care of them because if you make a sudden stop, they're going to go flying. Well, you know, I live in a small town and I've seen them riding on the roof of a truck. That's unbelievable. <laughs> not even in the bed, but on the roof. Well, you may think it's safe. It's just not if you, if you had to stop suddenly. Also, question number two here. Should your pet be allowed to put his head out the window? Now, we all drive down the street every day and we see uh, dogs sticking their head out. It seems like they're so happy. They love to do that. A, yes, you can do that. B, if the window is open a maximum of three inches. Or C, never. Well, you know, I, I feel like I'm doing very well because I know these answers. Yeah? And yeah, I know the dog likes to have his head out the window, but he can have objects fly in his eyes and hit him in the eye and hit him in the face and stuff, so it's really dangerous for the dog. That is correct. Don't ever do it. Don't ever do it. What you, about guys? What about your husband? Husband, you can... You Let can, him hang his head, head out the window. Yeah, there's okay. no problem there whatsoever. Okay. Question number three, how often do pets require pet stops, rest stops? Well, A, every hour, B, when they tell you they need to, or C, whenever you do. Ooh. That's a tough one there, tough, Yeah. I think when they tell you is probably going to be too late. (laughs) And, you know, if I can hold it, why can't they? I'd say whenever I do. I don't think, uh, yeah. You're doing very well. I am. Yes. You're 100% so far. Whenever you stop, make sure that you stop. Walk your dog or your cat. Now, here's the thing about cats. When you take cats out at rest stops, they tend to sometimes take off or run away. You, you don't want to do that, especially yes. in a foreign city. You don't want to lose your animals, especially around traffic. So make sure you have a harness with your cat. We're not talking about a leash. They can get out of leashes. A harness, which uh, goes around their neck and around the rest of their body. And make it, it has to fit kind of snug. You should be able just to get your two fingers underneath it because they are masters of escape. We'll go to the little Houdini. Yes. We'll go to the phones in just a second at 1-866-405-8405, but we're not done with the big Chrysler Jeep Dodge. Oh, no, there's another question. Oh, there's two more. There's two more. Uh, number four. Should you ever leave your pet in the car? Question four. Should you ever leave your pet in the car? A, yes. B, only if you leave the window slightly opened. C, only if it's for 10 minutes or less. Or D, never. I'm going to say 10 minutes or less. 10 minutes or less. Okay. Well, you know, it's sort of a combination of answers here. First of all, you know, as they tell it, you for it children. It depends on the weather. I mean, you got to have the windows open. Yeah. In an 80-degree day, which is kind of common around here, if the windows are closed, it can become mm. 115 degrees inside the car within 10 minutes. So if you're going to leave them in the car, it should be for a short amount of time and with the window open. Okay, you're almost done here. Question number five. Uh What should you do if your pet gets motion sickness? (laughs) A, take shorter trips. B, let it ride on the front seat. Or C, leave it at home. What do you think there? Oh, boy. It's either shorter trips. I'm going to say leave it at home if it gets car sick. Uh, oh, almost had a perfect yeah, score. you got to take them out every once in a while. They want to go out, too. Uh, actually, uh, for motion sickness, uh, the best thing to do is to take shorter trips, and that actually uh, minimizes stress for the animals. I'm surprised it didn't mention giving it Dramamine or some kind of medication. Isn't there medication for dogs uh, for there may sickness? Be. I don't know. We'll have to find out. We'll have to check into that. I'll do some research right okay. now.
Cool. No, later. I'll do it later. Let's go to the phones. one 405 Hi, who's this? Hi, this is Jan in San Francisco. Hi, Jan. How you doing? Doing fine today, thanks. What's the weather like there? Gorgeous. We've had a lot of rain in the last few days, but now there's blue sky with just a few clouds. Well, oh. that's, that's San Francisco typi- day. Typically San Francisco, yes. Let's see. What time is it? How many hours did it take us <laughs> to get there? <laughs> a very beautiful city. What can we do for you today? I have been foster carrying a schnauzer, Daisy the Dancing Schnauzer. Daisy the Dancing Schnauzer, huh? Daisy the Dancing Schnauzer. She dances and she sings. Uh, Daisy is originally from the Nashville, Tennessee area. Yes. And I have been watching her for the past eight months for a friend who could not. And now it's time to return Daisy to her daddy. And I don't want to fly. I feel like taking a road trip. But I know that it may be hard to find places to stay with the dog. So I'm wondering, can you give me any tips on how I can track down places? I'm not all that Internet savvy. So I'm wondering if there's a way to do it without using the Internet. Well, you know, what I used to do is I used to sneak them into hotels. Right. And uh-huh. I've learned that that's, uh, you know, you go in the back entrance. And, of course, these are cats that I'm talking about. And frequently uh, you could do that without anybody really noticing, except uh-huh. if you're staying for more than one day and the maid comes in and they see a cat and then the cat gets out and there's all kinds of trouble there. Well, you know, it's, plus it's hard because cats like to sit in the window. Yes. So, you know, you've got they they want to look out. Yeah, your cat's sitting so, in the window of the hotel. It's, you know, kind of a giveaway. Yeah, well, there are uh, books that tell you about this. I happen to have one right we actually have a bunch of these, and I'll send you one. It's called the Mobile. It's actually from Mobile, uh, the, the gas company. They have a book called On the Road with Your Pet. Excellent. Yeah, and they list hotels that are pet friendly and that will allow your animals to uh, be guests. And I gotta say, it, it within the last couple of years. Hotels are really opening up to this. There's a lot of hotels out there nowadays. Some hotels, they'll put you in the, uh, well, they have less desirable rooms, and they call those the pet-friendly rooms. But there are some actual hotels that cater to animals. One we know of is the uh, Kimpton Kimpton Chain, Yes, which we just spoke to uh, Stephen Panetti. Uh, and, And they actually... Uh, kind of fun. They actually have kits for all the animals when they check in and treats and, and doggy beds and, and all kinds of stuff. Everything. And I bet they're listed in here. So we'll send you one of the On the Road with Your Pet. Now, how do you feel about leaving this animal that you fostered for so long? It's tough. I've fallen in love with her. I'm usually a big dog kind of person, but I found that schnauzers are very smart very loyal and loving, and I've fallen in love with this dog. It's going to be very, very hard to part with her. There's going to be tears, huh? I'm afraid so. Well, you know, there's there's a lot of breed rescues out there. Why don't you look one up, well, on the Internet, or maybe have a friend help you and find one of your own that needs a home? You know, I may, but I've had dogs in the past, and I know how much they demand to be well taken care of. Mm-hmm. So I, I need to be totally into it and... Um, I actually have some cats now, and when they pass on, before I get another pet, I'm going to do some traveling, mm-hmm. and then I'll be ready to have a dog again. And yes, I'll go to one of these breed rescues. I've been hearing great things about them. There's one in Marin County for Old English Sheepdogs, 
And I hear there's one in San Jose for schnauzers, and I will definitely check them out. They're my two favorite breeds. Well, you know, I like to hear that these days when people say they aren't going to get a pet, they're being considerate because they, can, they don't have the time really? to devote. Yeah, a lot of people are, well, are not getting pets because of that reason, and that's good. It's a good. dog is like a kid, it, but it never grows up and becomes independent. <laughs> well, then it's, like a, to, it's like a husband. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you have to be prepared to exercise it three times a day, and at least one of those has to be a really long walk. And you have to uh, take care of it and take it with you. And if you're not going to, you have to make sure someone's there to do the things that you would do if you were home. Now, wait a minute. Are we talking about husbands or dogs? I'm getting confused. <laughs> They're very similar, huh? San Francisco actually was the first major no-kill city in our country. And the SPCA up there uh, has done a wonderful job. Very. Nice. I've actually visited the SPCA in uh, San Francisco, and I remember... It was like hotel suites for these cats. They had TVs. They, I wouldn't want the, to leave if I was a cat. I would uh, want to stay there. But as far as I know, they've done very well in keeping animals alive. They're, they're, it's a great SPCA. And you're talking about Maddie's Condominiums yes. for Dogs and Cats. Yes. That was a schnauzer owned by a local couple who left a lot of money to the SPCA in memory of uh, um, Maddie when she passed on. But um, in the beginning, when they had those condominiums and suites, they, they were allowing homeless people to sleep there at night to kind of acclimate the cats and dogs to having people around. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, but, but that experiment kind of fell by the wayside after a while. But it, was, it, was, it showed the liberalness and the progressiveness of San Francisco's heart to try to do something that for the homeless and the animals here. It's Great. a good city. It ranks up there with uh, Boulder and Austin, Texas, as far as uh, loving their animals and taking care of their animals. We appreciate your call. We're going to send you one of these books. Let us know how it goes. I'll tell you, I so many times have tried to foster cats. They do not make it out of my house. <laughs> I'm sorry. They, I fall too much in love. I cannot let them go. Uh, so I, I commend you for what you're doing. I give you uh, all of the strength that we can, and we'll set you up in some good uh, hotels for you. Thank you. It's very hard to let Daisy go, but thank you so much for sending me this book and turning me on to it. I really appreciate it. You're listening to Animal Radio. You can learn more about today's guest at AnimalRadio.com. Log on. Learn more. Hi, this is Rue McClanahan on Animal Radio. Stay and neuter your pets. Do you know what you're serving for dinner tonight? If the FDA has its way, the milk and meat you see at the grocery store could come from cloned animals. And you won't even know because it won't be labeled. Cloning animals for food involves more than just food safety. Animal suffering and other ethical issues must also be considered. The cloning process uses hundreds of animals to produce just one clone, causing death or severe health problems for most of the animals involved. Just because we can clone animals for food doesn't mean we should. Contact the American Anti-Vivisection Society to learn more about the problems with animal cloning at www.endanimalcloning.org. That's www.endanimalcloning.org. And have a voice in what you are serving for dinner tonight. Animal Radio is brought to you by Get Serious, a stain and pheromone remover so easy to use, even men can do it. Hey, hey wait a minute. <laughs> Don't take any more excuses, women. It's time to get serious. Get Serious is available at PetSmart and online at GetSeriousProducts.com. 
Every once in a while, there comes along a special group of animal lovers that stands strongly in defense of the voiceless. Animal People is that newspaper for people who really care about the animals. Animal People's published ten times yearly. The publisher is a nonprofit corporation dedicated to exposing the existence of cruelty to animals and to informing and educating you so that animal lovers worldwide can eliminate such cruelty. Your subscription is $24 a year and is 100% tax deductible. Get Animal People's fair and accurate investigative reporting from the industry watchdog. Visit our website at www.animalpeoplenews.org. That's www.animalpeoplenews.org to subscribe to the news for people who care about animals. Animal People. Subscribe today at www.animalpeoplenews.org. Every year, there are millions of pets in animal shelters across the country just waiting for a loving home. I'm Mike Farrell with a very simple message. If you're thinking of getting a pet, please adopt. To easily locate your closest place to adopt, call Pets 911 toll-free at 1-888-PETS-911. It's easy, it's free, and it gives a pet a second chance at life. Together, we can ensure a better future for our pets. For adoptable pet listings in your community, go to Pets911.com. Pets 911, proud to be partnered with Animal Radio. Fido Friendly Travel Talk brought to you by the Honest Kitchen Pet Food with Passion and Principles. Offering people food formulated for pets. Check out www.thehonestkitchen.com. Fido Friendly Magazine. Perhaps you can do without it, but for kibble's sake, think of your dog. At last, a voice for us traveling canines. Until now, few have taken mobile pooches seriously. After all, who appreciates warm shelter and a comfy bed more than a dog? Fido Friendly, the travel magazine for you and your dog. A quarterly guide to Fido-friendly accommodations in the United States and Canada. Because if Fido ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Subscribe at FidoFriendly.com. Your dog will thank you. Hi, this is Bob Barker, listening to Animal Radio. Help control the pet population. Have your pets spayed or neutered. Preventing pain, fear, and suffering of animals through nationwide education and awareness from all across the globe. This is Animal Radio. Hey, everybody. This is Susan Sims with Fido Friendly Travel Talk on Animal Radio. And I hope you listeners have had a great summer and, and lots of travel experiences with Fido. And one of my favorite vacation spots is Santa Barbara, California. And we always stay at the wonderful, fabulous Fest Parker Doubletree Resort. And in just a couple of minutes, we're going to be giving away two nights at the fabulous Fest Parker Doubletree Resort for two people and your furry friend. I have Beth Olson on the line. She's Director of Marketing. And hey, Beth, how are you? Hi, Susan. It's another gorgeous day up here in Santa Barbara. That was my first question. It's always beautiful there, isn't it? Well, we like to believe so. Even on our foggy days, there's always a silver lining that it's a nice, cool day to take your dog for a long hike. So we're okay with well, that. Well, you know, the the first time that we, we went there, we had our directors of marketing. We we like to call them. They're actually two hooligans that go by uh, Maddie and Zoe. And, and it was our first uh, review in Santa Barbara. And we walked into this gorgeous, beautiful lobby. And I just was crossing my fingers that they wouldn't embarrass but they, they behave like two little ladies, and everybody just made over them like, like they were celebrities. <laughs> well, 
Well, one of the nice things about this resort, and I, I have a lab of my own, and I travel extensively with him, and we all know as dog owners that some hotels claim to be pet-friendly, but you still feel awkward walking into the lobby with your dog. Um, the opposite is true here. You can bring your dog into the lobby, and the bellman's going to give you a hug, and the front desk is going to give you a dog treat, and everybody will say, oh, who's this beautiful boy or girl? I mean, it really is a, a true definition of a pet-friendly resort. Oh, it is, and, and, you know, we were delighted. We got warm cookies, but our pets, uh, you know, received cookies, too. <laughs> well, we have a partnership with um, Buddy Biscuits. It's a local uh, dog. They're all natural dog treats, and they're made up in San Luis Obispo, California. Uh, Cloud, Scott, Cloud Star is the actual company name, and they provide us with Buddy Biscuits. And then we um, recently um, got some logo tennis balls, so every guest gets, every canine guest gets a tennis ball when he checks in, so he or she can go and romp around with that. And then, of course, a copy of Fido Friendly Mag. <laughs> Plan you. your next excursion. So you know, there's there's definitely not only chocolate chip cookies for the for the peoples, but also uh, dog cookies for the dogs, which is a nice thing to get when you check in with your pet. Oh, it's wonderful. I mean, that goes beyond you know expectations. They always say if you can meet uh, customers' expectations, and you know that's that's kudos for you. But for people that are going to travel there for the first time, what can they expect? Maybe you could talk a little bit about any kind of pet fee or policy or or any any kind of amenities that they would be able to have beyond the cookies. My pleasure, Susan. Um, we just mentioned the, the welcome gift that each dog gets upon arrival. There is a $40 one-time pet fee, but that's, like I said, it's a one-time. So either even if you're staying for five days or four days or ten days, it's just a one-time fee. It is non-refundable, um, but it covers some additional deep cleaning that we do. That's exceptional. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I mean, I'm kind of bowled over by that, really, because today, in, in today's climate, it seems like we're, we'll stay somewhere and it's $25 per day per pet. I've had that happen. I've also had $100 non-refundable as a very common pet fee. As I said, I travel a lot with my dog, so, and, and I don't care. He's, you can't put a price on love. I'll take him anywhere, but I think that the, 40, <laughs> exactly. you know, the $40 really is, it, it really just covers our cost of additional shampooing and, and that type of thing that goes on in those, in those pet rooms. Um, but one of the nice things about this property is, is first of all, the fact that it's on a 22-acre landscaped Ground, So you've got lots of grass and you've got lots of areas to walk your dog. And all of your rooms have either a balcony or a patio, which as dog owners, we know how nice that is to be able to just sort of open the door and get some fresh air and let your pup go outside without having to get in an elevator and go somewhere. Oh, exactly. <laughs> I know when we stayed, we had we were uh, away from the main hotel and it was almost like a little casita and it was facing the ocean and that had a little patio uh, with a sliding door. So once we, we got inside the room, then there was a, a door that led out to a small patio, so it was easy to, you know, take the girls in and out that way. It, it really makes life so much easier. If, if anyone on the air has ever stayed in a high-rise hotel with their pet, they, they can certainly appreciate the benefit of having a balcony or a patio to use. Um, All right, and ours really aren't, they don't really care for elevators. We've, we've found that out numerous times, so, so that's really, that, that's really fun. But, you know, uh, if, if let's say, uh, everyone had an excursion and, and Fido couldn't come, do you, do you offer pet sitting or do you have, uh, someone there that can help assist in, in, in getting something like that arranged? We have a local company called Paws Over Santa Barbara, P-A-W-S. Um, very, very reputable, very sweet people, and um, we we recommend that our guests utilize their services while we're here. We don't have on staff pet sitting, but Paws Over Santa Barbara is extremely um, responsive, whether it be just dog walking or dog sitting or whatever your needs may be. That's important, and I, and I think that's just another amenity that people can expect when they come come out to see you. And, and I know you're located across the beach, and that 
doesn't happen to allow dogs there, but um, don't you have a nearby beach where it's actually leash-free where you can take your dog? Butterfly Beach is our closest, I would say walking distance. I mean, if you're walking your dog anyways, it would be considered walking distance. Um, it's within a mile. And then Arroyo Burrow Beach is adjacent to what's called the Wilcox property, which is an off-leash nature preserve. So you've got your off-leash uh, forest, and then you've got your off-leash beach right below it. So what a great playground to take your animal for the day. It's, oh, it's, it, an awesome it's perfect. And then and then I guess my last question, too, because, you know, when we say we travel with our dogs, we mean it. So when we even go uh, downtown to dine, I know there's some restaurants there that are that have outdoor cafes, and, and I'm not sure how many of those are, are Fido-friendly or, or we, where we can dine Fido al fresco. Well, there are some great places like the Padero Beach Grill that's in Carpinteria, Janine's Bakery in Montecito, Trattoria Mali, which is a world-famous restaurant. Oprah Winfrey frequents that restaurant, and um, they allow dogs out on their outdoor patio. So there are many places that you can go with your dog um, to dine. And also, I mean, we offer pet room service. So if you wanted to just order room service and sit on your balcony and, and have a little uh, Fido sirloin with your, um, with your own human sirloin, you can do that as well. That's the best. Really, that's really that. That's something that I would definitely do. I, I, we we spoil ourselves when we travel, and we try to spoil our dogs too. So it, it sounds like um, that would be right up our alley. And for everyone listening, any time of the year is great to visit. Um, Santa Barbara is a beautiful town if you've never been. And uh, like I said, we've always enjoyed our stay there. And Beth, I thank you so much for taking some time and talking to us today. My pleasure, Susan. I and I also encourage your guests to uh, take a look at our website. We have a whole pet welcome section on there so if you have any specific questions about what goes on with your pet and please also remember there's no size restriction so uh, you want to great bring a great pyrenees you're welcome to do so <laughs> see that, that that has to do it for anybody out there listening if they were even uh, considering taking their big dog because i know that's harder and harder to come by so um that's great news so everybody like beth said visit their website and and you can always uh, pick up a copy of fido friendly and, and uh, we always have help to support uh fest parker devil tree resort in every May. Magazine. Well, Thanks again, thank Beth. You. And, thank and, you, Susan. We have a wonderful two-night stay at Fest Parker for you, a guest, and your furry friend. For the first caller that calls us at 866-405-8405. That's 1-866-405-8405. This is Susan Sims of Fido Friendly Travel Talk on Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. You can learn more about today's guest at AnimalRadio.com. Log on. Learn more. Hi, this is Shelley Morrison from Willing Grace, and I'm on Animal Radio. Please, spay and neuter your pets. Please. Did you know that dogs can get worm infections just by eating grass and that those same parasites can also infect humans? Protect your dog and your family by deworming your dog twice a year with Safeguard Canine Dewormer. For more information, visit www.safe-guard.com. That's S-A-F-E-G-U-A-R-D.com. Preventing pain, fear, and suffering of animals through nationwide education and awareness from all across the globe, this is Animal Radio. Over the last seven years, Animal Radio has become so incredible that I don't know everything that happens here. Just because I work here, just because I'm on the air, just because I come in every weekend. We're the last ones to know. Uh, sometimes I'm the last to know. And I actually read the newsletter, uh, the Animal Radio newsletter this last month. Good for you. Karen Lee Stevens did an article on the world's smallest horse. 
And that would, of course, would be Thumbelina, according to Guinness Book of World Records. We have handler and manager Michael Gessling on the phone. Hi, Michael. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you. How are you all? Very good. We're calling you in St. Louis? That's correct. And this is, of course, where Thumbelina lives? That is also correct. The world, okay, this is a dwarf miniature horse, I'm assuming? Yeah, that's correct. She, um, we raise uh, miniature horses. We breed and raise them at Goose Creek Farms, and uh, she just happened to be a dwarf of a mini. How did that happen? Well, um, we don't know for sure. We suspected that um, the sire perhaps was carrying a dwarf chain. Um, he was not born to us. He was acquired. He was very small and a, a beautiful little horse. Uh-huh. Um, but the first time we bred him, we had Thumbelina, who was quite a surprise. And um, so we since uh, have gelded him. So mm-hmm. we don't breed him anymore. And uh, the mare has never thrown another dwarf. So we suspected it, it probably came along with him. Somebody oh. may have bred it into him, uh, um, you know, in the past. I need to get a picture in my mind here. Uh, the regular miniature horse is what? The uh, size of a uh, big child? Um. Well, I don't know. That doesn't really help me. It, it, it's a little bit, uh, probably about the size of a Great Dane. Okay. okay. Would be a, would be um, a, a pretty good visual. And uh, Thumbelina is about half of that. Half of that. So the size of a... Uh, 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 like a Cocker Spaniel. Okay. Jeez. That's a very small yeah. horse there. How does... Uh, <laughs> I can't even imagine this. Is it is it like having a dog around? How does that work? Well, in some ways, I suppose so. She is uh, extra personable, and she loves to play with dogs, and she she loves attention, and she's real lovable. Um, you know, but in every way, she, at the same time, she's still very much a horse. You know, She, she knows she's and, a horse? I think so. In fact, I think she thinks she's actually probably the biggest horse in the world because <laughs> somehow she ended up being the boss of the entire farm. We have a herd of 50 minis, and uh, they all uh, bend to her will. It, it's, it's just it's hysterical to see, but she is the boss. How old is she? She uh, just turned six, May 1st. What is their lifespan? Is it the, the span of a normal horse? Well, miniatures are, uh, yes, uh, have the, the regular lifespan of a horse. So, you know, 20 to even 35 years. Now, dwarf minis are an exception, and they tend not to. In fact, most of them tend to be very sickly and don't do well at all. And if they do survive, it's, um, you know, maybe a month or a year or two. Thumbelina somehow so far has proven to be absolutely perfectly healthy which is uh which is boggling uh, all the vets because usually the smaller they are the more sickly they are and the more they tend not to survive uh-huh. according to guinness she's the smallest horse in history and uh and she's perfectly fine you know i've seen a picture we'll put it up on our website of a woman actually holding her cradling her like a baby that's my mom her, that's your in her arms yeah that's my mom oh she wow. must be very proud 58 pounds i guess is uh the, the last weigh in do we yeah, have 57 58 and she sleeps in a in a doghouse instead of a, a horse stall. <laughs> she does, and, and that goes back to her being so bossy. Even when she was about six, seven months old, um, she apparently didn't like her stall. She, I guess she thought it was too big. She uh-huh. kicked the dog out of the doghouse <laughs> and moved in. So it was uh, it was very funny. We had to get the dog another doghouse because uh, she was she was not coming out until that dog went away. So mm. she gets what she wants. Well, Thumbelina, the world's smallest horse, is using her celebrity cash for good, isn't she? Well, yeah. Um, we have decided that um, to sort of devote Thumbelina and her life to to children, particularly children in need. So um, 
uh, sick, needy, troubled, uh, disabled kids around the country, Thumbelina is uh, entirely devoted to them. And in fact, she is touring the country right now on the Thumbelina Children's Tour. She is visiting um, kids in hospitals and shelters and group homes and therapeutic writing centers across the country, all 48 continental states. And so far this year, she has logged in 26,000 miles in the last four months. And I think we just hit uh, 40 states, so we've only got eight more to go. How does she travel? Does she travel first class? She does. She has the Thumby Mobile. She's got her <laughs> own. She's got her own RV that was converted. So the back bedroom compartment is uh, all hers. It's, it's uh, essentially her stable, and we have ramp uh, that that loads in from either side in the back. And she's got her doghouse and her bedding and her provisions <laughs> and grooming supplies and. She's in her own air conditioner uh, and uh, air conditioning unit as well. So mm-hmm. yeah, she travels well, and um, and fortunately she has held up beautifully. I, I have to say I'm I'm exhausted <laughs> after 48 states, and uh, she is raring to go. So she is uh, she's quite remarkable. What is the reaction from children when they see her? Do they realize, you know, this is a horse, but horses are usually much larger? Do they understand that this is a miniature horse? Well, you know, that's really the best part of it. You know, Thumbelina is is the reaction that she gets from these kids because uh-huh. if you keep in mind that these kids are in places that they don't want to be and and they're frightened and um, and they're just they're not in a good place they're hurting and uh, and they haven't had a whole lot to smile about and Thumbelina every day many times a day usually when we're on tour will go into places like this and these kids just light up and and the staff and the parents. Um, they just, they just can't believe it. Uh, uh-huh. it, it. It's really remarkable. In fact, we hear every day that either from the kids or the parents that um, it was literally the happiest moment of that child's life when Thumbelina came walking in. I don't quite understand fully the um, you know that sort of connection, but it uh-huh. is it's incredible. It really is. It's, it's just something that's amazing to see. You never get used to it. So uh, it definitely is uh, very gratifying. Thumbelina is on tour through November 2007. Check out the website, worldssmallesthorse.com. Pretty easy to remember. Of course, links to everything you've heard on today's show at animalradio.com. Boy, uh, just incredible work that Thumbelina is doing with the kids and raising money for the Thumbelina Charitable Foundation. I'm sure you can learn more also at the website that I just gave out. Yeah, absolutely. And we are, uh, I'll just add, if I may, we are certainly looking for any corporate sponsors that would like to help support us on this tour. Um, It is expensive. And uh, if anybody would like to to step up and and help Thumbelina fulfill her mission, uh, please contact us at the website. uh, We'd love to talk to anybody. Michael Gessling, the handler and manager for Thumbelina. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much. Hold on one second. Animal Radio is brought to you by the American Anti-Vivisection Society. Stop the FDA from allowing milk and meat from cloned animals to be sold in grocery stores. Contact the American Anti-Vivisection Society for information at www.endanimalcloning.org. And from small horses to small goats, joining us, City Councilman Richard Conlin. Uh, hello, Councilman? Yes. Yeah, I wanted to make sure you were there. You didn't know Great if I had the right here. line there. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How about you? Good. We're calling you in Seattle? Yes. That's where you are, a city councilman. And I I see the press release. It's just been delivered to me. You want to make pygmy goats not a farm animal anymore, but a pet? Well, we want to make them legal to own in the city of Seattle. Okay. Uh, And right now, uh, our law restricts the number of animals that can be held in the city of Seattle to cats, dogs, potbelly pigs, and chickens. 
And what we're basically doing is adding goats to that list. Now, how big are these goats, these pygmy? I, excuse my ignorance. I, I don't know. I've never seen a pygmy goat, but how big are they? Well, there's several different varieties. There are miniature goats. Pygmy goats are one of them, and they're all small in stature. They're average about 24 inches tall, and they weigh about 50 to 100 pounds. So it could be like a big dog. Basically, yeah. It's actually smaller than many species of dogs. Now, do you have a pygmy goat? I do not. <laughs> and I couldn't have one now because it's not legal to uh, to have in the city of Seattle. But we have visited some people who do have them, and actually this came up as an issue because they weren't aware that they were not legal. And uh, so when a uh, somebody uh, filed a complaint about it, um, they said, well, wait, we would like to have our goats made legal. And so that was what initiated this. Is there a benefit to making them legal? There is. Uh, the great thing is that they're, they're actually really nice pets, so that's a, a good thing for people to have. Mm -hmm. But they're also a great way to provide milk and cheese to families, um, and they're an ecologically effective browser. They can control weeds, clear brush and undergrowth, uh, and they really don't have any impact on neighborhoods uh, with the, the restrictions that we're putting in. So it actually would be a really nice thing for people to have. Would they be required to be spayed and neutered? They would be required to uh, to be spayed. The male goats would be, and that uh, would be required to be dehorned. Um, this uh, the neutering of the male goats reduces the smell problem, which um, actually is is a problem if they weren't neutered, but is not if they are neutered. Uh -huh. Now, I understand they can be trained to walk on leashes. <laughs> uh, that's what I've heard, um, but uh, we're not encouraging people to do that. Uh, basically, what we're thinking is that people will probably keep them around their homes and in their yards. They'll have to be confined and restricted, and uh, they'll use them for the purposes of essentially browse control and then mainly for producing milk and uh, cheese. I guess Everett is a good model. Everett, Oregon, is uh, already doing this? There are several other cities that have, in fact, uh, already allowed goats to be provided. And in researching this, it was really kind of interesting looking at the history of it. Farm animals were permitted in Seattle of all kinds up until the 1920s. And then restrictive covenants were put in um, for a whole series of reasons. And those restrictive covenants restricted farm animals, among many other things. There were also restrictive covenants against people of color, for example. And they were included in the same kinds of clauses that restricted farm animals. And that's when the legislation went into place that essentially prohibited farm animals in the city. But the more we research, the more we find that there are all kinds of interesting things that are happening in the city. And we see no reason why um, a limited number of animals like goats couldn't be permitted. So as soon as they become legal, are you going to get one? I really don't plan on having one. I have a, a pretty small yard, and that probably wouldn't be necessarily appropriate for me. But um, I know a number of people have said to me, this is a really exciting idea, and I'd sure love to have one. Has anyone contested it? Uh, not at this point. We've gotten a couple of people who are kind of grumpy about it and saying, well, you know, we don't see why we should have this in our, in our community. But a lot of them don't understand some of the issues that we've taken care of, like the question of smell and noise and things of that nature. And it looks like those are not going to be issues. Well, my dog right now does not provide milk or cheese or <laughs> eat the weeds uh, or do any of the lawn mowing. Exactly. Uh, however, if you do decide that you want to get one of these as a pet and it does become legal, you'll have to get them neutered and dehorned, I yes. understand. Yes. I guess the local vet could do that, right? That's something that's fairly routine, and it's usually done when they're quite young. So that is not uh, unlikely to be an issue if somebody wants to uh, take on ownership of a goat. 
So then next, are we going to see goat parks like dog parks? (laughs) (laughs) Definitely not. That is not something that's in the cards at this point. Um, We're looking at a fairly limited number of people who are likely to have these. And again, it's not not likely to be something that you're going to be seeing on the street very much. It's something that you will see people having in their own yards. Well, good work that you're doing. City Councilman Richard Conlin joining us. Thank you. Keep us posted. Let us know how it goes, okay? I will do so. We expect to vote on it later this month. Very good. Uh, Thank you for calling. Of course. 1-866-405-8405. We are going to the phones next for your phone calls. Hi, this is Emmy Lou Harris on Animal Radio. Please stay new to your pet. Hey, cat lovers, wish you never had to touch, smell, scoop, or buy cat litter again. Your wish is granted with Cat Genie. The world's only self-flushing, self-washing cat box. The Cat Genie looks like a cat toilet and cleans like magic. See it in action at 60catgenie.com. That's the number 60catgenie.com. Or call 1-800-517-4289. That's 1-800-517-4289. Cat Genie is totally litter free. Okay, cats need to dig and cover. So Cat Genie uses permanent washable granules that never need changing. To cats, Cat Genie fills and acts like a clean litter box. See it in action at 60catgenie.com. That's the number 60catgenie.com or call 1-800-517-4289. That's 1-800-517-4289. Hey, this is Cesar Milan. When I'm not doing the dog whisper, I'm listening to Animal Radio. Stay balanced. Did you know that dogs can get worm infections just from eating grass and that those same parasites can also infect humans? Ew, gross. Thank goodness there's a safe and easy way to eliminate and prevent the major worms that infect dogs. Safeguard K90 Wormer. Just sprinkle it on your dog's food twice a year. And that's it? Yep. For more information, visit www.safe-guard.com. That's S-A-F-E-G-U-A-R-D.com. It's the best way I know to protect my dog and my family against intestinal worm infections. Preventing pain, fear, and suffering of animals through nationwide education and awareness from all across the globe. This is Animal Radio. I got to tell you, if you haven't entered this summer end giveaway here at Animal Radio, do it now. All you got to do is head on over to AnimalRadio.com, fill out a quick entry, and you'll be eligible to win some great prizes uh, from PetMate and Get Serious and some other companies, too. We got we got it going on over there. <laughs> AnimalRadio.com. 1-866-405-8405. Hi, who's this? Jack. Hey, Jack. How you doing? Good. Where are you calling from, Jack? I'm calling from Rolla, Missouri. Very good. Yeah. Listening on KTTR, we appreciate it. What can we do for you? Yes, I'm calling. Um, my wife has a cat. We had it for about a year and a half. Uh huh. And I've um, been noticing I've been getting allergic to it. Oh, like, Ooh. like what kind of reaction? Uh, a lot of sneezing. Yeah. Uh huh. All of a sudden, just recently, or has it been for a year and a half? You you've been allergic. Oh, recently. Just recently. Sometimes you can have an animal for a while and then start developing, you know, some kind of uh, allergic reaction to it. Just out of the blue, blue, yeah. Uh, Well, this time, instead of saying go to the vet, I'm going to tell you to go to your doctor. Oh, you have to go to your doctor on this (laughs) one, yeah. Well, what's the doctor going to do? Well, the, the doctor's going to give you an allergy test. Oh, yeah. Is that one of those scratchy things yeah. where they scratch your back or something? I, you know, I don't know if they have new things now, okay. but he's going to give you a test to make sure that it really is your cat. Mm, because it could be something else in your environment. Yeah, that you Pretty don't know. Pretty quick to jump uh, to blame on the cat. Do you and the cat get along? 
Yes, we do. Okay. Oh, so you're not just trying to get rid of your wife's cat? No, oh, no. <laughs> Even if you do go to the doctor and find out that you are allergic, you don't have to get rid of the cat. So you can keep the kitty. Just there's things you can do. Like uh, what? what? What can he do? That Keep the cat out of your bedroom. Okay. Close the door at night. Um... You know, they have all those uh, air, those air filtrators and purifier systems and stuff that you can get. Do those work? Yeah, they do. If you put one in your bedroom, keep the cat out of there. Um, and sometimes you can just take, like, uh, over-the-counter allergy medicines. Benadryl or yeah, something. Like yeah, that. just over-the-counter. You want to keep, like, your house clean. Um, you want to vacuum your house frequently. It's a good excuse to have your wife vacuum more. <laughs> well, you can even do it yourself. You know, it doesn't have to be the wife that vacuums. Well, I, I don't know how to operate these <laughs> machines. They're too complex, too technical. Well, you you want to just basically keep your house clean of hair. So you want to vacuum a lot and empty your vacuum bag. Uh, you want to wash your pet. You can wash your cat on a weekly basis. Have the wife wash the pet, yeah. I would imagine. Or you, or you can get some of those wipes. They have wipes now that you can bathe your cat with without actually getting them wet. There's even conditioners and stuff that you can put in your pet's food that might help. Because uh, it's not actually the fur you're allergic to. A lot of times it's just the dander, the dander their from the saliva. cat. Their saliva. Their saliva. What they do is they they lick their fur and then it dries up and flakes off. And that's what a lot of people are, are allergic to. But so. go see your doctor so that your yeah. doctor can prescribe something for you if and, and to find out really if that's what it is. Okay? Yeah. And just, you know, after you're handling your cat, wash your hands. And just kind of keep clean and keep your house clean. And you can keep your key. <laughs> you keep your key. <laughs> okay, thank you. Thanks, for your Jack. Help. Hold on one second. 1-866-405-8405. Cetacean Nation. I'm Jan Sluzer, and we'll go for a catamaran ride off of the South Maui coast to watch whales and dolphins frolic. They know everything out here. I mean, this is their house. This is their neighborhood. And... Out here, they know every boat when it comes out, at what time. They completely understand the traffic patterns around here, and rightfully so. This is their neighborhood. Catamaran Captain Simone, along with co-captain Maureen, have between them about 40 years of experience sailing the high seas around the world, observing intelligent marine mammals. Together, they started the Artful Dolphin Project, using their personal experience to better understand, relate to, and communicate with the bottlenose dolphins that live off the South Maui coast year-round and the humpback whales, here mostly December through February. Today, about 20 whales are traveling with us. Simone hangs a hydrophone over the side so that family and friends on board can hear the whales singing underwater. They hear us when we come out. And the sound of your engines, and I drive very, very slow, just allow them to come from whatever direction they are out here in their neighborhood to come find me. And it's just by being patient. We've been here, what, 45 minutes probably, listening to the whales, and some whales have gotten closer and closer. And just by showing them that respect that you're not going to go in and interrupt what they're doing, they get interested in what you're doing. And they become more curious. So pop their heads right out of the water and spy hop and turn and look. Or they might come under the boat and lay below it and look up at all of us looking down. Seven years ago when they met, Maureen was grieving for her lost life companion and Simone was going through a divorce. Out on their boat one day, they met Naya, 
Hawaiian for dolphin, and her eight-month-old calf. Soon after, the two women heard that Naya's calf was killed when it got tangled in a boat's mooring line. They went to the spot to pay their respects when Naya approached. The dolphin stayed beside the catamaran for about three hours, and Maureen says the three females bonded in their common grief. Over the years, when Naya hears the catamaran's engine, she comes over, often bringing other dolphins and calves to meet the women. This ride, Maureen spots Naya making a beeline for the boat with her second calf, Prince, and their friend, Patches. The dolphins find us on their own terms. You know, we're not chasing them. We're just out here, and that was a good example today. You know, we were moving along at a pretty good clip, and out of nowhere, they came over really fast. Let us know. Here we are. For about an hour, the three dolphins swim next to the boat, under the boat, and in front of the boat, jumping and frolicking, turning over on their backs to expose their bellies, and then, with a slap of Patch's tail to signify the playdate is over, the three are gone. For more information on Maureen and Simone's adventures with the whales and dolphins, check out their website. ArtfulDolphin.com. Jan Sluzer, Maui. Thank you, Jan. That's all we have time for this week. Remember, there's live Animal Radio 24-7 at AnimalRadio.com. Also, on your cell phone, simply text ANIMAL to 27627. And remember, if you get a pet, please spay or neuter. And if it happens to be a cat, don't declaw. And always adopt from your local shelter. Uh I'm Judy Francis. I'm Hal Abrams. Have a great week. We'll see you next week for more Animal Radio right here on this fine station. Bye-bye. This is Animal Radio Network. Network.